What's up, buds? Welcome to the Screen Podcast with Ryan Leacock. This is the podcast where I talk about things that I have streamed, talking about craft, life, and art. This week, I'm talking about Adventure Time with my friend Katie Parks. Adventure Time is very special to Katie and me. Today on the podcast, we're talking about all the reasons why as we dig into the meat of Adventure Time as a whole. Adventure Time first premiered in 2010, introducing the world to Finn and Jake, the land of Ooh, and the absurd, silly, and at times painfully deep universe that Peddleton Ward created and made with his wonderful team. It aired on the Cartoon Network until 2018 and lives on with a couple of HBO Max specials. The third, Together Again, starts streaming this week. Katie Parks joins me on the episode, and she is one of my favorite people in the world to talk to, especially about movies and shows. I met Katie when we were both on the selection committee for the Grand River Film Festival, and I was just like, I gotta talk to this girl whenever I can. I've had her on the Creative People podcast. Talking about video producing, she is the head of social global marketing for Shopify. And boy, does this girl ever love Adventure Time. All right, I got my friend. Let's dive into those distant lands. It's Adventure Time with Katie and Ryan. The purpose of the questions about favorites and stuff is just to get the ball rolling, kind of see yeah. where you are and where I am with like how we feel about the show and kind of that service level. So why don't we just dive into those kind of questions? What was the first one? The first one is favorite character. Favorite character. All right. So I already have. Oh, so hard. I don't have one. I already. I wrote down two. Okay. Okay, you first. Okay, me first. Finn and Marceline. Oh, good choices. Great choices. Marceline is a very, very close second for me. I would actually say she's yeah top two. She later when we get into like story arcs, she is by far my favorite story arc. But favorite character, just for being the best character ever for me, is Bimo. Like, hands down. I don't know what it is about little Bimo, but, like, he's just the heart of the show. Mm -hmm. He's, like, the heart of the household, the treehouse. I don't know. He's red hot like pizza supper. He's just, like, so weird and, like, (laughs) cute. (laughs) I don't know. Always makes you feel good when he pops up on screen. Always trying to help other people, but, like, in the most ridiculous ways that are usually unhelpful. He's just, yeah. Very yeah. strange. I love that that's your favorite character. Bimo's <laughs> not my favorite character. I knew because I've, you know, because you have a few accessories of Bimo. Mm, I, I kind of had an few. idea. <laughs> and so it's not that I don't like Bimo. It's just I'm like, because I know that when I'm watching, I'm like, why does Katie love this character so much? But that's <laughs> ultimately what I like about this show. And I think that's like the higher, the forest versus the trees is that there's characters in this show that even if they're not your favorite characters, they're still so important, you know? So I can acknowledge the importance of BMO. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw a wild card back at you because I I feel like you might have similar feelings to this character. My favorite side character would be lumpy space princess. For me, she's like everything like from the very start. It was, she was like probably my hook of like, well, there was the adventure stuff. Oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. No, keep going. It's okay. <laughs> there was like the adventure <laughs> stuff and the funny like brother stuff. And I liked all that, especially because when I started watching, I just had my boys were really little. So it was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a tone that I haven't seen anywhere. But it was really lumpy space that was just like, this is on a different level. Well, I don't know what they're doing with this character, but it only got more as she kind of grew in a weird way, like grew up. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, her her back like we need to unpack that backstory later too when it, when we discuss the ending because like 
so much left unknown but like so much explained at one time and yes she is uh, by far like favorite side character of all time she's just so ridiculous yeah and she she has all the comedic thunder like she steals it all she gets every last laugh or like I don't know and then her kind of inability to not be able to laugh at herself is what like makes us all be able to laugh at her I don't know she's just yeah she's very unique and weird and the idea that she's from somewhere totally different also mm-hmm. and is a princess of this like other realm that she's like rejects weirdly or just like kind of treats like a side hustle <laughs> like yeah you know, like a side piece she's like oh yeah that life over there like <laughs> no big deal just my parents and like where I come from and like I'm the queen of this or like princess of this whole other dimension but I hang out on ooh because yeah. like by it's choice more fun like, here yeah yeah and i i want more challenge and like more risk and like all these weird experiences in my life like she's just uh, she's just a classic teenager also which i think is makes her character just really fun and mm-hmm. interesting and unpredictable yeah do you remember do you have any other fave sides do oh, i have no, any sorry, other side faves well no, uh, you go, i'll going. ask a question first <laughs> do you remember the web show homestar runner no i don't think i ever watched that I think it was like one of the first web shows and they had the segment called teen girl squad. And when I first saw, like, I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Yes. That's okay. awesome. And yes. she just took what they were doing there and like blew the doors off of it. Wow. I, yeah, I never would have made those connections until you just brought it up, but you're right. The, the essence of those characters is so true to the essence of who she is. Yeah. And yeah, she just, she just blows that up. all of her like cell phone like addiction like yeah yeah she's just so 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 funny Um, and she has like a heart like she has a moral code she has like that's what i want to get into like as we get into it further of just like there are morals and there are like i don't know the characters like are under they don't scream how well developed they are you know like i think if you're just to pop in you'd be like okay yeah this is what's going on but when you watch the whole show you're like no this character grew this character actually has a very even if she's you know abrasive and like rude and stuff she actually has a really soft heart she really does care about these people that's all the stuff yeah. that just anyway i'm gonna hit myself again all right least favorite character okay wait wait on okay wait i want to finish i have some notes also about fave side character just a oh, couple of good 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 i just want to call them out because i have a top two here my other one is huntress wizard oh really I don't know. She's just so cool. She is my current phone case. So BMO, like, got dropped down a little. <laughs> I just, I feel like I love her because it's like who I would want to be if I were got to be a character in the show. Yeah. She's just like super wise and badass. And she's always like calm and cool and collected and like insightful and interesting in ways. And then she's like also voiced by Jenny Slate, who's like amazing and yeah. also Marcel the Shell and like, I don't know. She always appears at the most random and weird times, like offering this really interesting perspective. And then also has this strange, like unrequited love for Finn. It is kind of obvious, but it's also not, I don't know. It's very, their relationship is really weird. And it's like, she can't be with anyone because she, I don't know. She just knows that she like can't do that. And she's got this like single-minded focus. Like, I, I just feel like the moments that she's shown up in the show are like really interesting she could have like her own side series so could lumpy space princess like totally watch a spinoff series of that in a heartbeat like let's go to lumpy space and go back to her like high school experience like let's take in (laughs) you know childhood lumpy space princess would be like so funny to see i love it you touched on two things that i think really stand out about the show is like she has a code and that Mm. whole love thing and 
the mm. messiness of that. Oh yeah. They like skirt the edges of it. You know, they never dive into it. And yeah. I, I kind of like that though. I don't know. It, it feels yeah. vulnerable. It feels like real, you know, it's yeah. not like he, with Finn and his dating and his relationships, it's complicated, but it's also simple. Like, I don't know. I remember feeling like that when I was younger. Yeah. The rush of emotion also that you don't yet know how to understand the yeah. ways that it can make you act not like yourself or too much like yourself. And yeah. then like how all of that just feeds into this web of, you know, insecurity and complexity of self, both like acceptance of your own self, but then having other people accept you for who you are mm-hmm. and just how difficult that is all the time, no matter what relationship it is. Yeah. It's like, it's highly profound. And you're right that it's found in every single character on the show. Like they, well, maybe not every single one, but most characters. Like I, I just glanced back at my list and was like, "Lemon Grab" is also <laughs> one of my favorites. Like Magic Man, Tree Trunks, like Peppermint Butler, like his weird evil self, and like also would have loved to spend way more time with Prismo and the Cosmic Owl. Like oh, there's yeah. so many characters that are also, or I should say, don't develop or don't really yeah. get that kind of attention or time when it comes to those like complex emotional high stakes moments that we just talked about but they're also like such a magical and necessary part of the show yeah so let me stop you though lemon grab like he's a, <laughs> like i hate him that i wrote least favorite character because i was like well lemon grab i i i just like really love to hate him you know <laughs> i will never forget that one episode where his face goes full frame and he's just like unacceptable <laughs> like oh my gosh it's the, just too much. It's it is so too extreme much. that it's so funny. It's yeah. so absurd. And he's so selfish, so narrow-minded. Like just what he represents and its absurdity like reminds me of like how Trump is almost like it's so insanely like, yeah, just narrow-minded and selfish and, and in his own best interest that you're able to just be like, this guy's fucked. <laughs> like this guy's insane. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I liked what they did with him. It just was like, you know, that when you're like, I'm going to sit down and watch Adventure Time. And then you're like, oh, let me grab episode. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe it's just the voice I can't take for 10, 11 uh, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It was Justin Roiland, I think. Eh? The guy who does um, uh, the voice of uh, Rick and Morty stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. See, I needed yeah. like more of your structure to this whole thing because I was like going to this thing and I was like, I'm. I'm just like flying by the seat of my pants here. And you're like, I have this all written down and all these, like it's all structured out. <laughs> okay. So who is your least favorite character then? Okay. This might be really shocking, but I think it's actually Princess Bubblegum. Oh, that is shocking. So let me know. Do you want me to unpack that? Yeah, I'd love for you to unpack it because it also, okay. I, I'm curious because I have, I love her, but I have some thoughts. It's also why I wrote that concerns question. Let's go for it. Dive yeah. in. I think we're on the same brainwave here, but so like, I, there's a lot of things I love about her. Let's just get that clear. Like the fact that she's got this strange scientific mm-hmm. way of thinking and it offers a really interesting perspective of how to solve different kinds of problems. You mentioned this earlier about even when you don't like certain characters or they might not be your favorite, they have a really important role to play in the overarching narrative of the show or like the message of the show. And I really think that Bubblegum is one of those people she might even be the one of the most central to your point of like yeah highly concerned i also like believe and want to believe that her intentions are mostly good 
or at least she thinks that they are good. But I just feel like you can't trust her. Like she's incredibly power hungry. She's a control freak. She's extremely impulsive and ego driven. And she gets herself into like a lot of I told you so category and moments because Mm. she doesn't really listen to other people. Yeah. Like she doesn't actually give other people space to shine. She like wants all of that to herself. And that's a lot of personality to manage. Like imagine if that was like a human, right? Like yeah. there, I mean, lots of people are like this. It's one of the hardest parts of being human. <laughs> None of this, I don't think comes easy to people, but like, I feel so strongly though, that like given her trajectory and the way that her backstory ended up showing up in the final season, that like, this is why she is maybe my least favorite character. Mm. All of that was like, not surprising to me, but it was like really alarming and really showed a lot of her worst traits. But I think the culmination of that all happening at the ending also helped her kind of like, kind of helps her like pop the bubble on it to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Like she, oh, she goes into overdrive and then her and Marceline make up and all that stuff, which is great. But I don't know, she's just, she's a really tough character to love. I think she's a really hard person to like. And I think that that, it just became really obvious to me at the end that she, she's the type of person who cares more about her work than she does about any individual person. Mm. Like she cares more about this greater thing that she's trying to achieve as like a genius than she does about any mm-hmm. person that she has a real human connection with, except yeah. maybe with the exception of Marceline, perhaps. Like but still, she has to be reminded of that though. Like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll admit that like, I love crushing on characters. And so it's not like a weird thing, but I just, Princess Bubblegum was one of those early, like, oh, I just, I love her. A lot of this I've watched through the eyes of Finn. So, like, he's enamored with her, and I felt that too. But then, as it goes through, you're like, oh, she's she's a borderline dictator? Like, mm, and, Very tyrannical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it touches on one of the things I like about the show is that they allow people to, and characters and whatever, I'm saying people in a general, most general term, but to be who they are without a lot of judgment. And I really do admire that the way they handle her character without any judgment and just kind of like, oh, that's how she is. That is probably one of my main concerns about the show. They kind of explain it with like that she made these beings and it's everything you said. And like, she's cold hearted. Mm-hmm. She she can be very soft, but she's also very cold towards the people that she's supposed to be taking care of and everyone really at some point. Yeah, I, 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 which is not surprising for someone who can literally make quote unquote people out of thin air. Yeah. Like for, for someone like that to develop a mindset that all of you around me are replaceable yeah. is really easy. And so it really makes sense for the show that she mm-hmm. is the way that yeah. she is. But yeah, it's really concerning. Like that type of personality type in the world is, is scary. And I mean, it's interesting because I like the way the show ties it back to that idea of genius and what it means to be a genius. And I think there's been discussions about this, you know, over time in regards to even like someone's like Steve Jobs behavior, like, Mm -hmm. can you be an asshole and also a genius or like, do those things always have to be intertwined? Like, can you still be a kind, good, empathetic person and also still be a genius? Like, we don't have many great examples of that in the world. It seems like you're always like an evil genius kind of, or there's always this other motive that is very disconnected from a state of empathy Mm. and yeah I I wonder often watching the show if she would 
if she would have actually gone down a more evil path had she not had good, like, quote unquote, good hearted characters around her to like stop her basically and prevent her from becoming more tyrannically insane. I don't know. Do you remember the episodes where she's like watching all the people, like all the, (laughs) all of, or like all her candy kingdom. Like I was like, this is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of like along the way, like moments like that. So I think we're, I'm glad that we're in agreement on that. I think I still like her more than you do though. (laughs) I can't. Yeah. I mean, your point of not liking Lemongrass, I'm like, I'm here for that. You're right. He's horrible. He's, like I said earlier, I love to hate him. So I would also park him in, like, a least favorite uh, character category. But I like to laugh at him. I think he's just, like, so ridiculous. Do you have any other, like, least favorite characters? I want to hear your whole list. I actually didn't make a list for that one. I thought okay. so hard about, like, who who I thought was, like, the most problematic was maybe a better or not a better way to think about it but the way that I chose Mm. to think about it because it was so hard to think of just like who I straight up didn't like because I honestly like all the characters to me are lovable in their own ways and so yeah I really tried to think through it of like who who is who is the one that kind of frightens me the most in terms of their personality who would I be yeah unable to trust if I was a character in the show, who would I feel the most uneasy around? And I, I think it's Princess Bubblegum. Interesting. Do you have any others? No one stands out. There's only one other thing that concerns me about the show. And I think it's worth mentioning. And because I'm still thinking about, it's in line with what we're saying here. Let's talk about Ice King a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I would say at the beginning, Ice King was, I hated every time they went over there, you know, to his kingdom. And they do a really interesting amazing thing with him and we can get into all that later too but he did spend a long time kidnapping people and (laughs) namely princesses kidnapping women and yes true hiding them in his tower and trying to force them to marry him and yes and then we just uh, we find out that he's you know all that stuff we find out and it's just kind of like forgotten that I'm, I, I feel mm-hmm. conflicted about that because on one hand, I'm all for character growth. And then on the other hand, it, it, there has to, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I just feel conflicted about it. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think the show, or maybe I want to hope that the show purposely paid out his character in this way to make people like us feel exactly the way that we do about it. Um, because I think this happens very often in life where you might look at someone in a particular way for their behavior and judge them and look down upon them and think that they're sad and pathetic and that you don't understand their motives. And then all of a sudden you learn their backstory mm-hmm. or you learn more about them and it challenges the way that you've seen them for mm-hmm. a really long time. I think his example is extreme with like the female <laughs> related issues attached to it. But I also think that that's again, like pointing to that complexity of the definition of love for people. And I think what you're supposed to see in Ice King is a really lonely, sad man mm-hmm. who you're kind of supposed to look at as pretty pathetic and to not want to be like him. Like that's kind of what I like about mm-hmm. the early stages of the show and the way that they paint him in the eyes of Finn and Jake is like, oh, this like sad old Ice King. Like he's so pathetic. He's this like wizard in a tower and he's all alone because no one likes him. He's like a very Grinch like yeah. character, like chosen rejection but also like actual rejection from society because he's been really awful to people 
And so it kind of makes a really big statement that that kind of behavior isn't okay. And if you are like that, you're not going to be friends. You're going to be really sad and lonely. And that's going to probably really suck for you. And you're probably going to be pretty desperate Mm -hmm. and want to hang out with the cool kids all the time. Like he's always trying to chase around Finn and Jake. He's always trying to get everyone's attention. And I think the show also makes a really interesting statement in all the moments that they actively choose to ignore Ice King or pretend like he's not there or don't listen to what he says or brush off his statements. You know, one of the worst feelings I think as a human is to have someone else treat you like you don't exist. And I think by having the characters do that for him, it's also, again, making another statement like this behavior is not okay. It's like, it's carving out this path for the societal norms of you and and what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. But then challenges all of that by saying, is there opportunity to grow within that structure? Is there still room for empathy? And I think the point of his character is to say, yes, there should always be. Mm. There should always be like a small glimmer, tiny ounce of hope that someone could change has the desire to change or could be prompted to change depending on other circumstances mm-hmm. or if they were actually able to manage, you know, dark issues of their mind, if mm-hmm. they were actually able to learn to be self-aware, which like he did, he doesn't really ever get there because he's still, you know, under the spells of the crown and is like no longer Simon. He's a really interesting one. I thought about him as like one of my least favorite. And then I, I, I don't know, I over time developed a soft spot for him. And I think have always had the ability to kind of laugh and, and sounds horrible, but like look down on him to a degree and almost pity him. Like I think the show is, is kind of asking and begging you to do that. Yeah. And maybe that's why it's the pity that we can kind of humanize him in that it's not saying it's okay. It's and, but we love him because we pity him, but no, 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 that sounds bad. But I think it's the only way you can really like have a soft spot for a character like that is pity. Hmm. Because otherwise you're justifying it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And and it's almost like placing pity in this box over here. That's yeah. like, you know, you can exist among us, but we're going to see you in this box. And I don't know if that's really easy for a person like that to do also. Yeah. To, you know, be a part of society, but be so extremely labeled and judged by other people. But then, like in later seasons, he becomes kind of part of the crew for a little while. You know, mm-hmm. like saving... With his sky hooks. Sky hooks. Oh, yeah. So when, you know, him and Betty and all that, he did become kind of very essential in the in that kind of season and around that time. And he grew a lot, too. Like, this is why I don't want to jump around too much, but the last season was really hard for me. I didn't I had a really hard time getting into it because it was all divided into the kingdoms and then Lumpy mm-hmm. Space kind of resets it. Right. When we started back in. Ice King went back to being Ice King and it was like, he didn't remember. And I had, I had a really hard time with that because I was like, Oh, we saw this character evolve and now they're just back to where they were before in a lot of ways. That was difficult. And it was kind of going into like that last season with the main thing that like kind of irked me right at the beginning. And then a lot of it didn't work for me in the last season. So I don't want to, did you like the last season? Yeah, to be honest, I found some of it very cathartic. Like I appreciated the ways that they were trying very desperately to wrap up certain character arcs and stories. But the final episode in particular just like felt very aggressive on that front. Like they tried too hard to wrap it all up. 
but then also have it be from this perspective of the future, which then kind of made it more confusing. And it's funny, I, you know, my husband has been very involved in developing this love for the show. Like mm. it's really a shared love. Um, oh, that's nice. The one that like introduced the show to me, you know, eight years ago. And one thing that we talked about a lot after the final episode was like, we still felt really confused about what had happened to Betty, like why that had happened to Betty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the dynamic between her and Simon really was and like what the show was trying to say about her obsession with him also and her need for him to be not just Simon again for the sake of him being able to be the kinder softer person that he was but in order for him to be who she needed him to be for her like it was that sounded very confusing I think I just confused myself by saying that but like no, I think I. It was a very selfish desire to be yeah. like, I need you to be Simon so that I can be obsessed with this person that I admire, and it was just all within and for her her own gain and self interest. But it also just wasn't very well explored. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I'm still yeah feeling kind of lost on like what exactly it all meant. Actually, so I want to change my answer. The more I think about it, Betty's probably my least favorite character mm. because they and it they never explain for me in what in it's exactly what you're saying. I never get enough detail. I never, it's just that she's there and you, and you think that she's going to change and then she just does, she just goes right back to it. And I'm never given the key to understand what's going on with this like character. I don't. Especially in that one episode near the end where she has the moment, she like sees herself in a different version of the future. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's like free of Simon and she she never made the decision to kind of go back and see him in that one day where she basically becomes obsessed with him when she's younger. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she decides to travel and go somewhere else instead and she like sees this whole other future. And I, 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 yeah, I don't really know where they were trying to go with that. The only thing I kind of got from that was maybe a lesson to young people of like what what it can do to you if you hang on too closely or cling too tightly to like obsessions that you develop maybe when you're a kid or when you're younger for not even just people, but different things. And if you don't ever stop to kind of pause and ask yourself the hard questions of like, why do I really like this thing? Or like, what am I getting out of this thing? And like, is this for me or is this for another person? Or like, just like those, those tough questions in general, just general self-reflection that you might end up really unhappy and like really crazy and like really just drive yourself insane because you might not ever get what you want because so much is out of your control. That's great and like, point. that was really the kind of like lesson that I got from it. So maybe it doesn't really mean anything more than that. I like, sometimes I think she was just potentially a random character that was dropped into, I don't know, kind of help explain Simon a bit, but she also yeah. really doesn't. It's no, more. She doesn't really. Yeah. But on the other hand, when as you're talking i'm kind of like not every character needs to have like people don't grow all the time and maybe she yes saw that and decide and and they didn't explain this so we're kind of giving them more than they gave us but (laughs) uh, you know maybe she just decided it's not worth it and i don't want to this i can't go back maybe that's what her point is in the show is that even though she had the opportunity she didn't in the end i'm not exactly she did make a sacrifice, I think, in the end. It was a little confusing on what she actually did. Yeah. Yeah, but and then she turned into that the red guy. What's his name? Like Glob. Glob, yeah. 
and I, I, I've been, there was only like a few episodes that featured him like a few seasons back now. I think, yeah. I don't think I appreciated that level of disconnect yeah. <laughs> from the glob stories previously to then this like Betty finale. It seemed, I was kind of like, wait, did I miss an episode somewhere where they explain this further? Like it made me want to go back and, and rewatch it with a finer tooth comb actually because maybe it will make more sense in retrospect. Like it is one of those shows that drops all these little breadcrumbs and it's not linear, you know, it's very chaotic in the way that they pay out the narrative. And so it could be the case that, you know, upon rewatching, we discover something in like season three where it's like, it explains yeah. everything or like, and even going back to the initial Betty episodes, like, I don't know, I've, I've purposely also been trying so hard not to like dig into the fandom, like the wiki fandom and like going down YouTube rabbit holes and stuff. Cause I wanted to have this conversation without like, getting too many other opinions in my head and so that will be my next step and then maybe we can have a follow-up chat on, on betty and be like, All right, the dissection of betty and what yeah. she means <laughs> i also did something that i haven't done in the past is i avoided kind of nerding out about like who wrote this last season and like knowing all the like i didn't pay attention to that i just wanted the show to be the show you know when you watch like the west wing and you can feel like when sorkin leaves right I did wonder if there was something like that happened in going into the last season that for me was like, but I don't, I didn't look up that information on purpose because I, I know mm -hmm. that it can cloud and, you know, I just get nerdy about it and I didn't want to do that here. So. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to have that death of the author mentality. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Let the show speak for itself. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's interesting that you bring that up though, from like a writing perspective. I don't think I, I, I felt like the show kind of fell off the mark from my own point of view. Like, I feel like the show was still being its true form and self of like merging this chaotic way of being human and like all the chaos that happens in the world with mm -hmm. just this imaginative and like insane sense of curiosity and creativity, like in true Adventure Time fashion. I think they just had a really tall order. Yeah, like there's so many characters. Too. There's so much that's happened over the last, you know, 10 seasons and it, I don't think any way they would have done this fans would have found it perfect. Like yeah. it just, it, it would have been a very hard to please crowd. I think uh, no matter what they chose to do. And I actually wonder if that's why they, they, they distinctly chose to have the perspective be set in the future. So they mm. could almost like remove some of that need for direct kind of Hollywood bow wrap up yeah, and created another whole layer of ambiguity, which is like, again, in true Adventure Time fashion. Um, yeah, that's true. And so th those were the things I appreciated about the end. And it was weird. Like even my, my husband and I said this a few days later, I was like, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Like I'm still trying to figure out what my problems were with it. And I'm still at this point, not sure if I really know. And that's why I think it, it it's going to deserve a rewatch or two. And then I'll finally know how I feel. <laughs> I didn't know that Phil was so into it. I, we, I, it's like a missed opportunity. Call him up. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure a lot of what I say is also like yeah. jointly formed opinions and his perspective merged into mine as well. But yeah, I appreciate that. He's the one that introduced me to the show and we've been obsessed with it forever. Yeah. We watched like all maybe six or seven seasons, like as fast as possible. And then we rewatched it over time. And then we just now finished like the final, final couple seasons. And yeah, like I said earlier, still have the mini, some of the extended mini series to go. Yeah. I'm so excited to dig into those too. Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. Bring us back 
to a little bit of structure. Where were we? We're, like, we're still on character mentions. Like funniest mm-hmm. character, I think, was next. Well, we kind of talked about that. The funniest yeah, character. So for me, it's LSP. Funniest. Yeah. <laughs> I also uh, said Jake, though. Jake is great. He's really funny, too. Jake took a little while to grow on me. I found Finn very, especially the beginning, I just found everything that Finn said was like, just made me laugh. So like his perspective was so like innocent and hey, I'm just here for a good time that I just, I, I, I don't know, it just worked for me. Yeah, um, no, Finn's great too. Favorite story arc. Okay, yeah. I think I mentioned this earlier, but Marceline. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think a lot of whether or not she is really the main like character of the show sometimes, mm. like in just how much backstory they give her also, how connected she is to so many of the characters. I mean, you you could probably make similar arguments for Finn and Jake too, but she's she's very unique and there's so many layers. Like in my opinion, she, she's just obviously this like perfect human vampire combo. Like mm-hmm. the fact that she drinks red instead of drinking blood that she like rejects the nidosphere and her dad and like all the evilness that kind of overcomes him but then like befriends humans and helps kill all her own kind until she's like the last vampire on and then gets rid of a vampire in her and then it comes back to haunt her and then she finally accepts herself like she's just constantly battling this like dual identity and this duality that is present in every single good story of good versus evil and I think she's just the ultimate representation of that and yeah that's why i love it mm-hmm. what about you i'm with you 100 i was going to focus a little more on the first time that we go back with simon and, and marcy mm-hmm. and that's that's Baby for me marcy. yeah when the show changed like i felt like i was watching a show that was like on this level and then that happened and it like it just changed the way i thought about the whole show mm-hmm. of like oh there is you know, you, you get hints before, but this was like a clear, we're doing something more here and we're going to yeah. go deeper and we care about this show is not about being funny all the time. It's allowed to be sad and it's allowed to break your heart while also being silly and colorful and like all those things that has to go as my favorite story arc, because that's when I started loving the show. It was, it was mm-hmm. like, the show's important to me now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really really insightful I, I i don't think i'd really picked up as much on those kind of significant changes in tone but you're right it, it really was kind of the first deeper story plot and really backstory exploration like you knew things about the fact mm-hmm. that finn didn't have parents you knew things about how jake and finn grew up together they were brothers but like it didn't go deep you didn't really know much about where princess bubblegum or anyone else really came from at that point in time and marceline's story is just so emotional like it's so emotional and mm. her songs also like oh, yeah. the element of music in in the show as a whole is obviously huge like the role that that plays but in her character in particular i almost feel like if you were to pull out every episode that she's in and like put it all together as a series it would be like a mini musical mm-hmm. like she has this unique ability more than anyone else on the show to showcase her emotions and like communicate emotionally through art yep And her mother even acknowledges that like in some of those early scenes. And one thing I was thinking about tonight before we started chatting about like, what is it that, you know, like where does that tension develop? And it really is in that duality of self. Like Mm. I think you and I have talked about this before about art that like good art includes that tension, Mm. you know? And, And I think any good artist has that tension within them. 
and is able to harness that somehow. And yeah, she's just such a perfect example of how to do that well. And she's emotionally intelligent in a way that I feel like the other characters aren't. Yeah. Like her ability to reject that sense of herself and then accept it. Like, I don't really think any other characters do that. No. And she wrestles with it like for a while. It it doesn't come easy. And that's so refreshing too. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. but it's also, it never takes the focus of the whole show. It's just Mm -hmm. what's going on inside of her. And I love that you brought up the music too, because I, as much as I didn't love the the last season, the way that they use songs at the end did bring it home for me. Oh yeah. That final song I had tears in my eyes. It was beautiful. That Marceline starts. Yeah. 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 That's, and it was, it was almost like, then they do the, the final one with the, the whole, the, the woman who sings the, um, the theme, like the end theme song. Oh, the come along. Yeah, I almost felt like yeah. that was like, well, we already had that moment with the the Marcy song. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Okay. I still liked it because they did two songs back to back, which I'm fine with that too. Because music was such an important part of this show. I think that was another moment too when they started singing more and when they started connecting over music. Remember, it's Bubblegum, Marceline, Finn, and Jake, and they're on. It's like nighttime, and they're by that. It's the first time they all start singing together. I think. Oh, is it when they're trying to open that door yeah. and they have to sing and, and, and in order for the things to fill up yeah. properly and have the door open. And then the song is actually like about Princess Bubblegum and Marceline's relationship yeah. <laughs> and her like anger towards Princess Bubblegum. Yeah. That was another moment where I, I felt like the show kind of like went deeper into my soul of just like, oh, there's more going on here. I'm, I'm, I love this. Yeah. I, and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. That is, a, that's a great moment. Of course, like, showcasing also how a group of diverse people can work together through art or through collaboration just in general whether that's you know sports art whatever like whatever that may be in order to reach like a common goal it's a great showcase of both the power of art but then the power of collaboration and how they can't really uh, exist without each other Mm -hmm. and it's very human like it's it's Mm. the it's fundamentally human of like this is how we're supposed to live life connecting like this, making things like this. And mm-hmm. that magic that happens, I felt like touched on this humanity in a show that's like what about candy and about vampires, but <laughs> it touched on this aspect of humanity that I haven't seen being talked about in other media as much. I can't think of an example. There's just something that this show gets about being a, a person and caring about people and being that duality that you're talking about that is so all these things that I love about it bring me to that, to that main thing that I love about this show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it that a lot about the show too. And it's like in entirety, like what is it trying to, what's the kind of massive overarching statement it's trying to make. And I, I don't know. It's yeah. It's really about the complexity of being human and the complexity of emotion. And then the different ways that you can turn hurt into positivity whether that be through relationships or yeah, the creation of anything and how hard that is <laughs> and how it's like a daily thing that people work on all the time and that it's just not easy. And, you know, there's chaos and so many things beyond your control. Yeah. It's just, you know, this show. <laughs> it's so good. I don't know how I feel about evil in the world and the source of it, but there is bad things and mm. that we have to like wrestle with and think about. And this show doesn't, shy away from them ever it really Mm -mm. embraces them so that those moments of 
play and fun have more weight because we also know that there's a brutalness to to this world that they're showing us? Yes. Yes, I totally agree with that. They don't shy away from it. And I think one thing I love so much that they do so well in light of profiling like evil characters is I'm sure you've heard that phrase of like hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And that is almost at the root of I think every evil character on the show, other than maybe like the lynch, which like, or the lich, sorry, which like he's just evil for the sake of being evil. But like all of the other characters you tend to see like where their motivations come from or like where their kind of insecurities lie or mm-hmm. where they were hurt or why they were hurt, or how they were hurt and how they developed, you know, these maybe negative or evil motives, at least with the core characters in particular. And I think that that's also making a really profound statement that like when you let those things get away from you and you don't work on those things, those really hard parts of yourself and you don't face them, mm-hmm. like that you can turn into a monster version of yourself. Yeah. That's great. And that the goal is to like stay away from that as, yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And almost what the lich, what is, how, is it, it's lich? Lich. I think it's the lich. I called it the lynch and then I was I, like, no, that's wrong. It's the I lich. think I've been calling it the lynch for <laughs> lynch, lich, whatever. But uh, him being fully evil allows for those for us to notice the shades of gray that they're kind of for some of the characters, because it's like this, this guy is just black hole of evilness. So then when other evil characters, you can show, well, they're not this guy, they're selfish, they're hurt They're And it opens up the discussion. It's really clever how the show pulls off these tricks sometimes. And I'm like, I don't know how you did that, but you set yourself up for it and then you jumped through it and good job. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. They really, they're able to show off the spectrum of human behavior in a way that I don't think any other show I've ever seen has been able to do. Like, I don't know. I hope one day I could create something that is able to reach such a wide audience also and speak to such a broad range of issues while also inserting humor, insanity, creativity, randomness, chaos, curiosity, like just all of these things that our entertainment brains crave. And then just matching that with like a punch in the gut when it comes to like emotions and feelings and that core part of being human. Like it just, it, it is really, it's so, so well done. And it's so well done. I, I admire Pendleton Ward so much for what he's created. Yeah, it's incredible. It almost never pushes too hard because then the next episode will give you them just playing around in in the treehouse. And <laughs> yes. and it's like, well, that that is life though. You know, you'll have this yeah. day where it, like you're just it lays you out. And then the next day mm-hmm. you'll just be watching Netflix and like it's just a nothing day. They allowed those nothing days to be in there because they're important too. Mm-hmm. It's this mm-hmm. it's that trick again. I'm like, oh, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I think you made this comment earlier that like not everything gets wrapped up in a nice bow because that's also not how life works. Like sometimes you have an acquaintance or you meet someone and you're, they're like in your life for a lot for Mm -hmm. like a short period of time. And then they just like, aren't for a really long time. And then it's like Hunter's wizard. And then she just shows up again one day randomly and you've got this really deep connection and you're able to like maintain that relationship in that moment, but it doesn't have to be this like constant thing. And the writing's and so strong. Of, Sorry, go. Saying that there's different types of people in your life kind of for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they all play different roles. 
and you can learn from them each in different ways. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? I'm glad you finished your points because the mind's going to like take it in a different direction. But the writing is also so strong that when they show back mm-hmm. up, you get the sense like this character was up to something and we don't need to know what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Because they they talk a little different. They're So sometimes there's these jumps where it's obvious, oh, this character has grown and because you know the show does that really well, you you believe it. It's not like, oh, they have a new outfit now or what. The weirdest thing is that this is also, we're talking about a kid's show, you know? So mm. that they're able to pull all this off with candy people and all that is, is incredible. Yeah, I love that part too. I'm so curious to know from your perspective, what age would you let your kids watch the show? Or like when you think about the, the age demographic on the kids' side, like what is that range? Only because I don't have children. So I feel like I may have like a warped idea of, of like what age is appropriate. <laughs> I think the first like handful of seasons, it's like free, like go for it. Like my ki- all my kids could watch it. I think, I don't know when the point switches where I'm like, eh, I don't know, maybe because I think about my nine-year-old's very imaginative and some of the stuff with the lich he, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to watch it. Cause he would just, he would take it. He would internalize it. I think a lot. And like, mm. just, I don't know if my kid is ready to look at evil in that way. I think my 11 year old would be fine, but not my nine year old, not near the end. Mm. Mm. I think that's how it's I feel. really about. interesting. Do you think that is because the show is so unlinear that like it doesn't necessarily close the loops on evil characters being like destroyed in the traditional sense. I think it, that, that makes it riskier. That's an interesting thought. I think it's just that there's a part in your brain that once you know about evil like that mm. and whatever, we don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know how I view evil, but when you're a kid, I think having it personified and then confirming that, I think when you're a kid, you know that there's, I'm I'm also bringing a lot of my own upbringing to this because I grew up Christian and there was always like a devil out there, you know? So I was like, oh, and there's a literal devil in this. So I don't know how I would feel if I didn't grow up that way, but I, I just think, I don't know if I want that door opened for my kid yet. That's That would be my thing. And you are right that it gets, that it's not resolved and a lot of the evil just does stay out kind of in the, there's almost like this Stephen King thing that they do is like evil's like in the world, like in between worlds, like where there's, there's Mm. monsters and there's bad things. They kind of, Stephen King talks about that a little bit and they kind of play with that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Or a lot of them live in different dimensions or in the nidosphere or other realms where they can get banished to or stay away from, you know, our traditional end of which is earth. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I wanted to say like, same as you, like around seven or eight, like kids could start watching it, maybe even younger. But then to your point earlier around where it's like the kind of pivot, emotional pivot that the show makes also Mm -hmm. in and around those Simon Marcy 
years and when Finn starts to date, mm-hmm. like all the stuff with like Fire Princess and that's pretty complicated, like for kids. Yeah, like all of it is really complicated. And I don't know if even someone who was like 12 or 13 would even really understand what the show is trying to say about those mm-hmm. moments. Do I think it could be subconsciously helpful for? you know, let's say a 10, 11, 12 year old to see this like vision of a teenager that they could be like, and like Mm -hmm. learn through like growing, you know, eventually 17 year old Finn. But I think that's something I want to hope for and, and might not happen for every person that would watch the show, right? To your point, like they could latch on to different things about it and actually take in different lessons. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think they need to understand everything either. I think maybe it's like with parental guidance. Maybe that's like the keys that if you walk mm-hmm. them through it maybe and, and allow them not to understand everything and not have to explain everything, but just kind of give them enough so that they feel it, that they can have. You don't have to understand everything. Like lots of us, like every movie we watched when we were kids, you watch as an old person. Like the thing that comes to mind is like in E.T., that whole thing with Mm. Elliot's mom she's going through a divorce right. and she's so right. lonely I didn't see any of that when and so when you see it when you're older it brings up this like oh that's what's really going on in their house yeah. I think that's okay for kids here if they don't fully understand oh that's what's going on I don't know yeah yeah that's a really myself. great point yeah no I th- no I think you're really onto something that the, that the only from my perspective the only important part is that they see it mm-hmm. it's like so much of what you see when you're a kid is just what has an impression on you right Mm. it's like why any media exposure is you know should hopefully be curated to a degree unfortunately it's not always like that you know kids see all kinds of stuff out in the world as well advertising like all kinds of stuff and you develop your worldview and your sense of self the way that you label and judge other people and things like based off of what you see that's just a natural human thing to do and so I do see a show like this lending itself really well to that kind of example like visual examples like I said of even just the, the complexities that Finn goes through as a person yeah. even just the funny normal moments he goes through too like all of it I think and would help it's helpful but I don't think to your point the goal is for them to get it yet and yeah. I actually don't think that they would at all and I think that's what is so magical about the show is that it is able to play to both of those audiences in a way that like Pixar doesn't do. Yeah. Like I was trying to think of any other examples of properties that do this well. And my first thought was like, oh, okay. And some great Pixar and Disney movies, you know, you get the adult jokes and the mm-hmm. one liners in there. And it's just as much for the adults enjoyment as it is for the kids, you know, a movie like inside out, you see so much of yourself in it. But yeah. The children don't really understand the overarching lesson of like what's going on in your brain. And those are great, but I don't know. They're still not hitting. Like the show just hits on the nose of something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) I really don't. And it feels weird to be talking about something. And I think for, I think that's why I wanted to talk to you. Cause I think both of us circle around this thing that we don't know how to, our love for this show doesn't really have words for, (laughs) that's the first sentence I ever said. There's no (laughs) words for, uh, for how we really feel because it's like, well, it's this, but it's also, and then as soon as you say it, it's like, well, it's not, that doesn't say it perfectly. So it's like this like little thing that doesn't have words inside of us that's growing and loving the show. Mm, yeah. What's been really interesting for me, I'm curious to know 
do you or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? We tried to with the kids and it's so complicated. Yeah, it's very, it's very especially for children. Like it's hard enough for me to run my hand around what the hell is going on at the time. I'm not good with like textbook like instructions. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through and yeah. I was like, nope, not happening. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, it's hell it's hella overwhelming. Luckily I'm married to someone who loves that type of like diving into books and like learning all the things and he just like soaks up all the information somehow. And I'm like, yeah, I don't learn this way. So I'm just gonna ask you questions now, <laughs> which is great. But I've only been playing Dungeons and Dragons for like maybe a year or so. And now that I am a player, going back and watching the show was like such a different and like charming, charming way to view the show because the entire world is based on the principles of D&D. Like mm. the idea that you have control over your person and character, which all of this, in my opinion, is exactly like being a real human on earth, right? You have this like fake sense of, autonomy and control over your life which some of it is real you get to decide what you say you get to decide what you do you, you there's a lot of decisions that we get to make as human beings you get to develop an identity you know all of those things are very unique and you do have a level of control over but then every decision come is like rolling dice mm-hmm. like it could go really well it could go really horribly you don't know there's then so many factors outside of your control like you know you could get hit by a bus one day type of mentality and that's like rolling a nat one and then all of a sudden your character's gone and you're like oh no how did this happen mm-hmm. there's no explanation the show is just dnd on fire it's like a, it's like the whole thing is like this giant homebrewed campaign with optimism yeah 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 it's incredibly optimistic. So everything you're saying, I'm like, oh yeah, I see that. But also when they go out, it it's not that they're going to win. It's just that they're going to make it through. And I love that. Mm, yeah, That's infectious. Yeah. And that's why to go back to the kid thing, it's like, I do want to introduce this to my kids a little bit because that sense of adventure, that sense of optimism, that yes. sense of we're going to figure this out. That's all mm-hmm. stuff that I want them to have in their life. Mm-hmm. And I want more mm-hmm. in my life. Like, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I love that you brought that up. But it's not, it's never a bummer. Like it's never, it's always for fun and always for honor or for just to do something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's there's always this like altruistic nature to, yeah. Or or they're just bored and and they're just like, hey, let's just go, let's go just on this adventure because there's nothing else to do today. I like, I like both of those things. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But usually, even if they go on a random adventure, they like end up doing something that yeah, helps someone else, or they help fix something, or like, and that just comes from Finn being a very like, you know, lawfully good character. Like he, he there's a joke um, in one of the episodes in the final season where he screams at someone. And he's like, "What's your alignment?" <laughs> and Phil and I were like dying laughing because we were like, "Oh yeah, like this is the basis of all of their characters. Like they each represent." You know, that very complex development that comes with any character that's got a specific mm-hmm. alignment or a way of being or a way of seeing the world. And yeah, the show just does such a good job of that. It's like D&D on fire. It's yeah, yeah amazing. If you guys ever need an, a player who doesn't know anything and wants to learn, I'm in because I, I do want to learn. <laughs> it's been uh, It's been something that's come up a few times and I think I just need to watch it happening. Yeah, no, I get that. It's I feel like you're like me, like any filmmaker, I feel like has a very similar kinesthetic way of learning. You just kind of need to do it and see it in action and then learn by playing. That's exactly how I, how I developed too. And I'm still learning all the time. Like there's so much I don't know, but yeah, great game. We'll definitely keep you in mind for the future. Yeah, please do. 
we're doing a good job actually. So I'm going through this list. I'm like, we're hitting on these things that already mean to. So that's good. Yeah, that's true. So let's jump into. Oh. Go for it. No, you go. Oh, but yours, you had a, like a, oh, I didn't have an oh. <laughs> I was just scrolling through my notes and saw that. I don't think we talked about like our least favorite story arcs. Okay. My least favorite right. is the last season. I felt like when Sorkin left the West Wing, you know, a lot of shows go off the rails. It's hard to end well. I was just more disappointed because I knew we were going to talk about it. And up until that point, I was like, this is just going to be positive conversation for me. Like I don't, I'm trying to, as I'm doing this, the podcast, I'm getting to know the, I'm, I'm less inclined to be critical. Like I don't want to be critical of things anymore. Not in a bad way. I still want, I still want to notice like, okay, this doesn't work. And I want to dissect why, but I think when I was younger, it used to like bother me when things didn't work. Like, you know, how could, how could they get this movie wrong? And now that I'm older, I'm like, there's a million ways they got this movie wrong. And, and it's not necessarily their fault. So Mm. all I'm bringing that all to the table while saying while also acknowledging it did feel like some of the wins that I got and that I was loving kind of disappeared and even some of the humor wasn't as sharp as I thought so that would be my least favorite the flip side of that is when they first came back to ooh and it was all in those divided up into slime and all that at first I hated that too but then it grew on me and I loved it so Mm. I don't know yeah yeah it was just I think yeah to our point earlier it was a lot at once I yeah. felt like the final season was like a really big roller coaster. Like there were some episodes that I loved, like really loved and I thought were hilarious. Like the one where they go into Tree Trunk's entire backstory and you finally understand like Randy, Danny and Wyatt and like her whole like divorce <laughs> history experience is like hilarious. Tree Trunks is wild. Like, oh my God, she's the funniest character ever oh my god and one of my favorite moments maybe ever in the whole show happened in that episode I don't know if you remember this moment but it's near the beginning and she's I forget why she's crying but her and Sweet Pea are talking and and Tree Trunk starts crying and Sweet Pea's like Tree Trunks why are you crying and she says something to the effect of like this is just what happens uh, Sweet Pea when adults stop and think about their life for too long and like yeah yeah I had to like pause the show in that moment because I felt so seen. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, wow. Like the, that is such a perfect, that line alone is such a perfect example of like what is great about this show. Yeah. Like that's what they get right. They get right those like little moments where you cry and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. And they find a way to make it normal and explain it through, you know, a three second line of one character. It's just brilliant. And so honest and raw and yep. true, to, like I said, to the human experience. Anyway, so like, yeah, the, the final season was such a roller coaster because of that. Yeah. There were so many great highlights and then just lots of moments where you're like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. I love that line. My similar line is Jake's don't stare at happiness too long because it stares back. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like, to me, as someone who's like dealt with anxiety and overthinking things, it, it was like, oh, that's stop. Stop looking at, because even when things are good, like you can just pick at it and pick at it and it never ends. So mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. glad that we acknowledged that kind of X factor of like human stuff that doesn't have a category, I guess. What's your least favorite story? I don't know if it's really an arc, but like the thing that kind of 
I think it just irked me because there still felt like there was so much unknown. Similar to the Betty situation was like the LSP just being able to reset everything thing. Mm. Like there was something really cool about that where it was super surprising and really unexpected. And I really loved that for her character. Like I was like, oh, wow, she's actually like way more powerful than we all ever thought that she was. She has this like hidden value. And like Mm. it was it did come out of nowhere for me. Like it really, okay. it really was not something I expected from her character, but then there still feels like there's so much left on the table. Yeah. Like there, it was explained in like a three second moment where yeah. you go into her memories, her like warped memories and hear like Charlie Brown voices of the thing being explained to you. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it just wasn't a lot um, of meat there to dig into. And I felt kind of irked by that. I was kind of like, okay, I want like a little bit more detail here wasn't sure if I liked that it just all happened like that so quickly and Mm -hmm. that it was just like the solution but then I also thought it was cool so I I feel complicated it just made me feel like meh I didn't know if I liked the way that was done I think that's a great point and I think that's kind of the way you're feeling about that is probably how I'm feeling about the last season but the yeah but it just when I because I can hear what you're saying but when I was watching it I was like oh this worked for me and I didn't over I didn't think about it but now Mm -hmm when we're kind of going through, it did set up what didn't work for me. And maybe that's what was happening for me more is like, wait, what that happened so fast. And now we're back here. I was just playing catch up the whole time that I never, I never caught back up with them. Mm -hmm. So maybe it bothered me more than I thought. And maybe I just carried it through that last season because it was so abrupt. It was just a lot. And then I think that obviously the direct links to that, to princess bubblegum's family and like uncle G and then also his ties to Fern. Yeah. Like the grass version of Finn. Yeah. Like I, I, in those moments, I was like, how did Fern and yeah, yeah. Uncle G connect? Like that was never really explained very well, I thought. It kind of undercut Fern for me too, because he was interesting when he was playing with his own duality and mm-hmm. his hurt of not being able to live up to some. I liked all that stuff. And it kind of seemed to go out the window in the last season of like, where did that conflict go? You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess the goal was always for Finn to destroy him. Like, I I guess that was the underlying motive there. But yeah, it was all very odd. Like just the alliance I found between the two, like it made sense from a, okay, we're, we're all against Finn here. But to me, it also wasn't ever fully explained why Uncle G was trying to hurt Finn. Yeah. to get to princess bubblegum i didn't really no, get didn't that part yeah all and, and then all of that just happened like so fast that yeah. i was like wait a second there's a lot of plot holes here but to swing back since we're talking about story arc let's go and talk about finn and his mom and mm. and all that stuff yes well and his dad also yeah, yeah. like for me it's quite obvious that one of the biggest themes of the show is parents mm-hmm. like as a whole just every character seems to have issues with where they come from, their backgrounds, yep. their parental structures, whether or not their parents abandoned them, left them, rejected them, loved them. Like it's all very, very complicated. And I think not even the most complicated one, like Marceline, like oh, yeah. so many other, like Princess Bubblegum, then you find out very complicated, weird mm-hmm. situation with her quote unquote family. I don't know. I felt weirdly disappointed by the Finn mom revelation, but then was also very intrigued by it and just the way that they'd painted it out it was almost like the show was trying to say you never really needed either of these people all along Mm. yeah and that it really is that interesting balance between nature versus nurture and that you still don't need her and he maybe never needed that closure 
I don't know, or maybe he, he really did, but it didn't seem to like help him in the way that he wanted it to. And I felt sad for him in a way. I kind of like that though. I think it rings true. Yeah. It was really, it was like a beautiful sadness. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like it overwhelmed me all of it. Like I just wasn't really expecting it to be paid out that way either. I was Mm. totally surprised. Mm. Yeah. I think the thing that like struck me more was the stuff with his dad and that his dad is always going to be selfish and self-serving. He's never going to stop being that way. And you have to make peace with that. I like that. I, I love that. I hadn't actually thought about the recurring theme of parents. And now that you say it, it's like, well, that's so obvious. It's in every episode almost. Yeah. And having complicated feelings towards my own parents and like, yeah, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it is the thing that brings it home a lot of times. It's like that struggle. Yeah. I think that the presence or lack of them in your life, no matter what, defines who you are to a certain degree or that like yeah if they're in your life or not you're always curious about where you come from because that's really the only thing we have as humans and it's both a very like scientific thing grounded in like genetics and family lineage but then also with this like complexity of love thing Mm -hmm. again here right of like do I need those relationships in my life? How necessary are they for my development? Are they positive impacts on my life or negative impacts? And also how do you set boundaries and like communicate that to people that you love or not love, even if they're family? Like it's all very complicated. I don't know. Marceline's story is is a big showcase of this theme as well. What did you think about the mom? stuff and like her being this weird leader of humans and keeping them trapped on like a separate island and separating herself into like an artificial god almost yeah I I think I've struggled with it at first and then the way they pulled it off in the end it worked for me I didn't feel overwhelmed by it but I did appreciate how do I say this without um I appreciated that both of his parents are narcissists Mm -hmm. and really absorbed in their own world. And he's not a part of that world. I appreciated that. So that's probably how I feel about it. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. And that it's, it's okay. Like you don't, yeah. You don't need that closure. You don't need that love necessarily in your life. If it's going to be that form of love, especially. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that really spoke to me too (laughs) On on a personal level as well. And man, yeah, it made me think about how hard it must be to be a parent. Like, did did the episodes ever make you reflect on that with uh, someone who has kids? Hmm. I think just being okay with it and realizing that even with me trying to be the best dad that I can be, I'm going to mess up and always trying again. I think that's the thing I get from the show. And Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We're a bunch of flawed people. Like, for us, there's six people in the house, you know, and that's going to get messy sometimes. Right. And just yeah. being kind of okay with that. I mean, coming up Christian again, it was like everything was like a sin. You can grow without it being like bad. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Having that pressure of. Yeah. Or bringing yeah. morals into it. Like there's some things that are obviously like morals, but there are other things where it's just like, well, you're just being a shitty person. Just. Mm be better next week like just you don't have to go repent you don't have to go do all that just don't do that next like don't do that tomorrow right 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 it's actually just emotional intelligence or self-awareness or mental health practices or any any of that 
good hard work, yeah. you know, that we suck at and always need to work at as humans. Yeah. And noticing um, patterns and yeah. saying, okay, I know what I get when I'm like this. I don't want to be like that anymore, but I don't need right. to feel like a sinner because of it. So that's like, it brings up that stuff for me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And, and I think you're touching on a really profound part of the show again, that like they do a great job of highlighting flawed characters all over the place mm-hmm. and that you can still be loved if you're flawed you that you can still be you know loved if you're if you're bad at something if you yeah, were yeah. wrong if you hurt someone's feelings you can be forgiven if you recognize your mistakes and you take accountability for your actions that that leads to better and stronger relationships and that that's to your point earlier like the only thing that you can keep doing is trying to be better yeah and making commitments to yourself and the people around you that you are going to try to show up better over and over again. And I think in the show, it's seen through both the, you know, main character actions, but then also their recognition of that in their parents as well. And noticing that, yeah, it's, it's a continuous cycle of life. I think for kids to be kind of disappointed by their parents, no matter what, like it's just kind of bound to happen. Like, and that is actually what helps you define who you are yeah. and that you get to well, use this other person and their life experience to go, I'm going to take these parts of it that I really like. And then I'm going to take all these other parts of you that I don't like and make sure they don't happen again. Yeah. Oh, that's so Or good. like try to break the cycle or whatever, you know, whatever things you don't want to keep, you don't have to keep. And, and that's the entire exercise of creating your own identity. Mm-hmm. And I think the show also highlights that it's harder to do that maybe sometimes when your parents aren't in your life and that like all those unknowns get really complicated. Because at least when Um, they're known, you can wrestle with them when, when, and and maybe that was the point of his journey to meet his mother and like the, all the stuff is like, at least I know that's there, you know, those things. His dad too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, okay. This guy's a complete buffoon. And like, you know, he's not the hero dad that I thought he was going to be. And to accept at such a young age also, because I think he's only like 14 or something in the show when he, you know, finally meets his dad. And isn't his dad like part of the reason why he loses his arm? Like yeah. that whole situation, like it's it's awful. Like the outcome of all of that is really, really awful. And yet because Finn has this like, quote unquote, like chosen family or adopted family, you know, in Jake and all of these other friends around him that he's able to thrive. And for so many real humans, that is such a real, like, that's the scenario of their lives, right? Yeah. They've either been abandoned or rejected or whatever. Or like neglected. Made irrelevant. Yeah. 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 Made irrelevant through some level of narcissism yeah. or genius desire or whatever to, mm-hmm. you know, achieve their own personal goals and gain or just go do their own things. They don't want this responsibility. Like, yeah. yeah. I think the theme of parents overall touches on just, you are in control of what you do. Mm-hmm. You're in control of what you say and your actions and how that affects other people. And that's like really the only thing that you can hold on to. And you're not in control of the stuff that you inherited or the stuff that like that goes on around you from your parents or from, but that doesn't change the fact that you are in control of the other stuff. And it just mm-hmm. means that's the shit you have to deal with. Like, And if you try to reject some of the things that you're inherited, like in Marceline's case, like, mm. I'm going to get rid of this vampire part of myself completely. Mm -hmm. Like it can come back to haunt you if you choose to reject it. So outright without trying to understand it and accept it and live with it and manage it. 
again, that's all you can ever do is just try to keep getting better at exactly that all the time. I think that is a brilliant point that accepting it doesn't mean that you're fine with it, but just realizing no matter what, like for Marceline, I'm a vampire and having to make peace with that while also trying to be the best version of that. It's not, it's not ignoring it and saying, oh, that doesn't exist. It's saying, no, this is a part of me, but I get to choose how I, how I interact with it, what choices I make. That's I love how that. I harness it, yeah. whether I want to yeah. use it for good or yeah. evil. Like there are bad parts in all of us. And something I've learned as an adult, as I be, try to become more emotionally intelligent is like, we, we do all really exist on that spectrum of character and there's a best self and there's a worst self. And there's a way to, you know, assess your behavior and where you're at on that all the time. And to look at your strengths and weaknesses, or really I should say your strengths are your weaknesses. <laughs> they are kind of mm-hmm. one and the same most often your greatest power is figuring out how and when to deploy those. That's and like Marceline does that perfectly, right? She then she then accepts her vampire self and then chooses to use it for good to yeah. help these other people that she's befriend to fight off the rest of the evil in the universe. Yeah, she's just like the ultimate. That's, that's why I feel like she's honestly like kind of the main character. It's almost reminds me of like Mad Men, how like the mm. show's psych, like the show's actually about Peggy. Like, yeah. You know, like that's a great not really example. Yeah. Draper. It's like they're doing the same thing here of like building this really dynamic and thought out female character and like giving her so much depth to the point that when you talk through the themes of the show, it's almost like it always comes back to her more so than even yeah. Finn and Jake. Yeah, I think that's great. One of the things that you touched on in that was also the acceptance. And I wanted to make sure to talk about that because there's a big thing that I appreciate about the show that I want to have more in my own life is accepting people for who they are. And so the one that the last time I thought of this is like, you know, the episode with BMO where he like goes on his detective, like he has ice king and Finn and Jake are just like, okay, cool. And we're going to let this play out. There's very few moments where they kind of say, oh, don't do that. Like, it's always yes and in this show. It's always like, let's see how this plays out. Even if you can tell, well, I don't know if this is a good idea. It's like, where are you going with this? I think that's one of the things I find very refreshing is that as they meet these different characters, it's there's not a lot of, we talked about the negative sides of it, of like, sometimes there maybe should be some judgment. But for the most part, there's no judgment. In fact, there's curiosity. I've just like, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how I feel about this, but let's see how this plays out. And that's kind of in every situation that they encounter and with every character they encounter in a lot of ways. I really appreciate that about the show. And I've tried, I want to get better at that. Yeah, yeah. That's a really great point. They really do give each other, yeah, free reign. Yeah, like space. Be your like weird self. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and it doesn't have, like what you were saying before about you don't have to be, good at things you can be bad at things and still be lovable Mm -hmm. uh, and valued like that they get that so right yeah they do this so well even on like a I want to say like tactical level I don't know if this is actually their their thinking behind it but like an example how Lady uh, Ranicorn like never actually speaks English and they like never translate what she's saying like that's another yeah, just another shiny example of being like, accept this person for who they are. You don't yep. always have to actually understand someone. Mm-hmm. You, you know, can see their value. Even if you can't directly communicate, you can, you know, um, understand them in different ways. You can understand them through other people that have yep. really great connections with them. You can ask more questions. You can like just let someone be and not have to 
have it check all the same boxes of what you are in order for you to be like, okay, yeah, we can be friends now. You yeah. Know? I, you said it perfectly or have even a judgment on it. It's like, it's not my place to have, I should just be neutral on this person because I don't, I don't know why, but it does feel like we're in this time period right now where everyone needs to have an opinion on something like on someone's mm-hmm. behavior and like the lack of opinion on their behavior or, or what's going on and letting it play out and is so soft, like it's soft hearted and it's, it's leading with curiosity instead of mm-hmm. with anything else and anything else that you're bringing to it. I just, I don't know. Every time they did it, I was like, mm, I got to get that more in my life. And I'm trying to have it more with my kids, especially because mm-hmm. like kids do weird stuff. Like, and you just, one of the things is like being able to get on their level and just not have a judgment call about anything. Like, mm-hmm it's a great way to approach kids that Mm. they come to you and they're excited about something that is actually ridiculous. But instead of, it's not even getting over. It's not even like, I know my adult brain doesn't understand. It's not even letting that come into it. Like, what's up, bud? Like where, how can we talk about this and like get down to their level? That's another thing I value about the show, I guess. Yeah. I think it's um, going back to your point of they almost have this like improv mentality of yes. And which is also, I think what makes someone great with kids. Like, if you, if you just pile on instead of like undercutting their ideas or, you know, instantly scoffing and going like, well, it couldn't happen like that. It's like, no, make it real for them. Yeah. Like add on to it for them, like meet them halfway or ask them a question about the thing that they just told you about. Or like, just to your point, like try to engage at that level of curiosity instead of judgment. And you're so right that like, that's become such a huge problem because of the kinds of tools that we use it's like Mm -hmm. everybody's just got a megaphone and they're only waiting for their turn to speak instead of listening or using that opportunity to actually engage in dialogue they're just like spouting and yelling and and like allowing (laughs) people not to have all the answers either like when you're talking with kids and you ask them questions and they don't have an answer that's fine that's valid like because Mm -hmm. all all the things that you and i do we don't have perfect answers for sometimes it's just like well it just felt right or just and you don't have to explain yourself there's something really nice about not having to explain yourself sometimes Mm -hmm. sometimes we need to but sometimes it's like why did that happen why am i like this because i'm a person and because i'm complicated and and that's okay and they're complicated and you don't have to understand it i I loved what you said about lady ranagorn of like not ever understanding what she's saying and valuing her kind of through Jake and you know like Finn and her they never really but she's still really important in the show like I love that yeah 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 and then like showing the need to value diversity Mm -hmm. like from a you know race background ethnicity perspective but also then diversity of thought like actually living those values like by offering that acceptance to other people But I think what's really hard about the current moment and what I've noticed is like so many, I don't know. I think the whole world is just going through like a mental health breakdown and that so much of like our hate and judgment towards other people comes from our lack of self-acceptance of our own flaws and realizing that where you're holding a lot of other people outside of ourselves to a different standard than we're holding ourselves. And if we could all just get on the adventure time level of going like, all right, guys, we're just a weird bunch of like different kinds of animals and creatures. And like, it's our job to find a way to live in this harmony of, ooh, nothing makes any sense. There's threats from all angles. 
we don't all have the answers. Like, I don't know, let's try to make a freaking song and collaborate and make something nice out of this really shitty situation. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's uh, my message to yeah. the universe right now. It's like, let's learn a lot from the Adventure Time cast, okay? Yeah. Let's just go be weird and don't be mean to other people. <laughs> like, I love it. Two minutes ago, I was like, how are we going to bring it all together? And then you like started talking there and I'm like, oh, she's bringing it all together. <laughs> she's bringing it home. That's hilarious. I mean, the show lends itself so well to that. Like, yeah, I think the themes, the themes in the show are just so mm-hmm. profound and they're just so real. They are easy to dissect because they've made them so real and tangible. And yeah, it's what will always make the show so special. Like mm-hmm. I'll keep rewatching it forever. And yeah. I honestly can't wait until I have my own children and they're old enough and I can share the show with them. Katie, honestly, this has been the best. You're the best. So thanks for taking the time to chat about this. I, I still don't exactly know what I'm going to do with it, but I, I, it, it felt important. That's the only way I can ex- kind of explain it. Yeah, no, I love that. This has been one of my favorite discussions that have happened this year like i really miss doing this with other people what a special show thank you to pelton and co for what you have made it has made katie and my lives much richer we appreciate your work Thanks for listening today. I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram at madebyrye or at creativepeople.podcast. Katie is on Twitter at katiejanebrain. That's it for today. (laughs) Hopefully, it's not another year, so I make another episode of this, but uh, you can always find me over at the Creative People Podcast. That comes out weekly. Until then, let's just keep holding on until we can get back to the movies. I got a long list. See you later, buds.